Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, this is John Odermatt, the host of Felony Friday, with a quick note before we get rolling into today's show. I wanted to let you guys know, since this is a special time in history, it's 2020, we're entering the Roaring Twenties, the Lions of Liberty, we're going to have our best promotion yet uh, for new members joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. It's coming up. The details are not final yet. I will tell you this, it's going to include our new merchandise design our lions of liberty roaring 20s design we have that um it's it's gonna be involved in some way we have not specified yet just how it will be but you'll get some roaring 20s merchandise which is awesome and uh you don't want to miss this stuff so make sure you want to you don't want to miss the announcement for this promotion make sure you're following us on facebook uh, facebook.com slash lions of liberty instagram at Lions of Liberty, Twitter, at Lions of Liberty, and in the Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook, which, of course, you can join by punching Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top of Facebook and joining. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. Make sure to follow. You don't want to miss this promotion announcement. Welcome to Felony Friday a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, the OG Libertarian Variety Show. And it is 2020, ladies and gentlemen. I'm excited. we got a lot of great stuff planned for this year. Great interview lined up for you today. I just want to remind you, please, if you like this show and you're not subscribed, why do you hate us so much? Please just go hit that subscribe button, get every single episode of Felony Friday, and also our other two shows, our Monday show with Mark Clare, our Wednesday show, Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. You don't want to miss any of them. And guys, with that being said, I, I am going to uh, get to the interview here in just a minute couple things I want to talk about because there's a lot going on right now. Beginning of a new year, some things happening in the criminal justice system that I feel need to be addressed. So I'm going to address them. And I'll do it right before this interview. It's going to be real quick. And maybe this will, maybe going forward, this will be something I'll do more often. Maybe not. We'll see. Mixing it up on the, the first podcast of 2020. So I have to talk about the spending bill that Donald Trump signed that included in it a uh, a change to the law that raised the federal legal age for purchase, for purchasing tobacco from 18 to 21 years old now you know on the surface here you know people might look at this you know Susie minivan or the uh, you know the typical american family out there uh, the mom and dad look at a law like this look at a change in law think well there's nothing bad here 
It's making it harder for my kid to get cigarettes. That's good, right? I don't want them smoking cigarettes. And you know what? I don't want my kid smoking cigarette cigarettes either. I don't want anyone smoking cigarettes. They're not really good for you. I have good friends that, that smoke and it's bad for them. But you know what? It's what they want to do. And uh, who am I to stop them from doing what they want to do? And at the end of the day, it's a personal choice for adults. But also... It's a personal choice. A kid who's 18 years old, 16 years old, you know, they can make a choice if they want to smoke cigarettes. It shouldn't be a a, a law against doing it. I'm not saying they should do it. But more importantly, by creating this law, they are without a doubt making it more dangerous for these kids who, just because there's a law saying they can't smoke cigarettes until they're 21, if anything, that's going to make it more likely that they want to smoke cigarettes to do something that's forbidden. And so that's going to uh, add, instead of buying cigarettes from you know, a CVS, a Rite Aid, a gas station, somewhere where it's well lit and uh, it's sold from a reputable dealer, um, yeah, they'll buy from uh, somebody in a back alley. They'll buy from uh, some nefarious character. They'll buy someone who really doesn't give a shit about the health or well-being of your child. And uh, it introduces the black market. And the black market can definitely have some bad actors in it, without a doubt. And something that I come back to immediately uh, when talking about this with people is, you know, people call marijuana a gateway drug. It's not. The reason people think marijuana is a gateway drug is because often people start with marijuana. It's the first drug that they try. And then they'll try other drugs from there. The reason why that happens is because in order to smoke marijuana, this is changing now, of course, it's been legalized in uh, in several states, uh, medically and also recreationally, so that the marijuana laws are changing. But this still holds true in the vast majority of the country. So if, a, uh, if somebody wants to go smoke marijuana, they go buy it from someone off the black market, from a dealer. That person most of the time is selling more things than just marijuana. Young, impressionable kids are more likely to uh, be pushed, to be influenced, to be persuaded, manipulated, to try other drugs other than marijuana. The same thing is going to happen with cigarettes. Because kids are going to want to continue to smoke cigarettes or start to smoke cigarettes because it's what kids do and kids are stupid. (laughs) What what do you want me to say? It's up to the parent to figure this out. It's not up to the government to come in and make this law. If as a parent, you don't want your kids smoking cigarettes when when they turn 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever, talk to them. Explain to them why they shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. Explain to them the health the health risks. And do it in a way that you're not being a jerk that makes them want to just tell you to screw off and go do it anyway. It's called learning how to influence and persuade people. It's most important to do it with your own kids. So maybe parents need to learn a little bit about that, American parents. All right, that's enough of a rant there. I did not plan to talk that long. The other thing that I wanted to... Oh, and of course, the other aspect of that is Trump has also been doing the same thing with vaping, or I should say legislators have been doing the same thing with vaping, attacking uh, the vaping market, taking flavors, flavored vapes off the market when, because there's this craze about, uh, uh, you know, lung issues being tied to kids vaping. Um, 99% of the lung issues are tied to illicit black market 
THC vapes, not ones you're buying over the counter. So what do they do? Well, they make it so more and more uh, of these vaping products are going to be bought off the black market because now they're not sold in uh, in stores. So great job, politicians. Fantastic job making life less safe for your children. Second thing I want to talk about, very, very important. Donald Trump, nothing has happened here legislatively or from an executive, executive order standpoint, but in a meeting with aides and uh, other lawmakers, he floated the idea of raising the age, the federal minimum age to buy a rifle, a long gun, to 21 years old. Currently, I think in most states, if not all states, uh, you can buy a rifle uh, when you're 18. Some states, for hunting, you can uh, buy a rifle when you're 14 or 16, uh, especially uh, Midwestern states like Montana, I believe, and places like that, because, you know, you got to be able to hunt. That's that's what you do out there. But this is so incredibly dangerous and from i mean people come at this from the uh perspective or or from the angle that if you know if individuals first of all if you can if you if, i was going to say if you can volunteer to sign up for the draft no if you can be coerced into signing up for the military draft as an 18 year old in the united states so they can tell you to to go to a faraway land with a gun and shoot someone you don't know. But at home, you're not allowed to buy a long gun, buy a rifle to defend yourself uh, from someone breaking into your house, maybe to defend your family um, or to defend yourself from the government, which is equally as important from uh, from tyrants in the government. So this is uh, this is just a very, very scary law. And what's even more scary is Republicans who are supposed to be uh, protectors of the Second Amendment, supposed to be advocates for gun rights, and silence, hearing nothing, because it's Donald Trump. They can't criticize him. Barack Obama never floated ideas like this. If Barack Obama had floated an idea like this, it would have been a, a gun rush to for everyone to arm up because Barack Obama's coming for your children's guns. It would have been you know, it would have been all over the news. Fox News would have been talking about it for weeks, but because it's Donald Trump, crickets. You don't hear anything about it. Um, you know, guys, I just wanted to talk about these two topics today. I think they're very important and a lot of people out there don't hear about this, don't hear about topics like this from a Whatever you want. You want to call it a libertarian perspective? I think this is just a reasonable, rational perspective. This is logic looking at both of these issues. So share this with your uh, with your friends. Share it with your Democrat, Republican friends, your independent friends. They might hate it. They might hate me. I don't care. And if they do hate this, which they might, I guarantee you they're not going to hate what they hear from my guests, because I have an awesome guest lined up for you today to share his story. So let's get to it. My guest today on Felony Friday is Carl Fort. Carl was initially sentenced to life in federal prison for a drug-related offense in 2016. Uh, the federal government did grant his petition for a reduced sentence and reduced it to 30 years, and he was released from prison in January of this year. And today he is here on Felony Friday to share his story. Carl, welcome to Felony Friday. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be on the show. 
Well, thank you for for coming on the show and being willing to uh, you know talk about your 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 story and share what you've been through. You know, I want to talk about the events that led uh, to your sentence. But before we get to that, just to give my audience a background of uh, where you come from and who you are, if you could just first talk about your background, um, where you grew up, uh, what life was like for you growing up. Well, I grew up uh, in Rockford, Illinois, on the um, west side of Rockford. And uh, I was living there all my life. I basically, you know, grew up like every other normal kid to, you know, uh, when uh incident took a toll in our household to where my parents had separated. So, you know, when when the house broke up, you know, I ended up going my way and I went to the streets. And that's where I found my love and my loyalty to the streets. And uh, one thing led to another. I ended up catching a case a federal case <clears throat> and um I went to trial and they gave me a life sentence and at the time I didn't know nothing about the hundred to one drug ratio and when I said it and understood that hearsay can be admissible in the federal court of law, I'm like, man, wow you know, so that was like a, a wake up experience to me going through the trial because mm-hmm. I never I never um went through a trial, I always had it dismissed after the preliminary hearing. But this time I went to trial and um uh, ended up getting convicted for a drug conspiracy. And the killing thing about it is that crack is no different from powder. So whoever came up with this assumption about it's worse, it's worse, and this and that. It's 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 nothing. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So so let me ask you. Uh, you, you said that you had some you know some uh, some run-ins with the law prior to that. How, how old were you the first time um, that you had an arrest? I think I was uh, seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, I think I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. And that one. So that just it didn't it just preliminary charges and then you didn't uh you didn't go to trial no i didn't go to trial because uh they they uh they couldn't find the witness mm-hmm. so they dismissed the case so so when you say you went uh you know what happened with your family growing up and you went to the streets were you involved with gang related activity or or what type of stuff are you doing yeah i i, I was part of a, a street organization and uh, yeah you know uh i can say you know that you know i i grew accustomed to something that i love and that's what i love because they were showing me love too so you mm-hmm. know and they was educating me about being a man you know so yeah i was basically uh, took the responsibility of raising the ones in the neighborhood, you know? Yeah, so fast forward to when you do get, you catch this case and you get convicted. You said you, you took it to trial. What was the reason? Did they offer you a plea deal at that time? 
Yeah, they had offered me a plea of 30 years, and I'm like, 30 years? So I didn't know how much 30 years, because they don't say it in years. They say, like, 360 months. So I'm like, dang, 360 months? So what I do on that? And when they told me, I said, man, they crazy. And that was, that was for how much? Uh, 360 months. That's 30 years. That's life. That's no, no, life for, for, for how much, uh, for how much crack? Well, we didn't, we didn't get caught with no crack, okay. but it was the testimony in the trial led up to the, the amounts. The mm-hmm. jury didn't find me guilty of no drug amount. The judge took it upon himself to sentence me to, uh, uh, to the stuff that cooperated with the evidence. Yeah, so so based on whatever, if they bring a cooperating witness up and they say there's this amount, they count that towards. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like they say, uh, they probably say, well, this guy probably say he was working for us for six months and he was making a day $10,000 a day. But he probably wasn't making no $10,000 a day. Because you have some good days and you have some bad days. Mm-hmm. That's that's so crazy that they get away with that. Um, they're taking this. Obviously, the, the the people who are testifying, the people who are you know witnesses for the prosecution, they're compromised. I mean, they're getting favors in return, right, for their sentences to be reduced. Right, so right. It's, it's a racket. So you end up getting the sentence, life in prison, right? Right. What, what were your first thoughts at that point in time when you heard that? Well, shoot, you know, my first thought, I was, man, my my understanding was zero, you know. And, you know, I'm glad I was in uh, MCC Chicago because, you know, I had a lot of older men around me that was kind of schooling me and telling me what I should do and how I should maneuver in prison and stuff like that. So I ended up going to prison and having a good report on my name, so... So were you, did you move around to a bunch of different prisons or where'd you spend the majority of your time? Well, I moved around like I've been to Leavenworth uh, when it was a USP. I've been to Florence, USP. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've been to Pollock, Louisiana, USP. And I've been to Terre Haute, USP. And then mm-hmm. I went to Oxford, FCI. That's what I got released from Oxford. And you you had you did a total of what twenty five years? Twenty six years and nine months. Twenty six years, nine months. So how did you how were you able to when when you're in prison, you're facing this long sentence? I mean, I guess be first before I ask that, so you you're facing a life sentence and you said that you had, you know, people, older people in the prison kind of took you under their wing. Um, but I mean, what type of advice did they give you to, to deal with that, to, to, na- to navigate and to, to mentally deal with the, you know, potentially being in prison for life? Oh, well, they just taught me, you know, how to, um, you know, don't, don't, don't be socializing with a lot of people or don't spread yourself in dealing with a lot of people because, you know, a lot of people don't mean you no know, good in prison. You know, you got a lot, you got some good ones, but uh, you know, if you've been in the streets, you you 
you you a good judge of character to know which one is on BS and which one is you know is healthy. You said you you had good behavior while you were in prison. At what point did you start to think that you know maybe you can get some sort of clemency and maybe get this thing reduced? Well, when 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 it first uh, you know because I kept up with the political. Uh, uh, a movement what was going on on the streets. And when Obama, when he became president, well, not before he became president, because it was some people that know him and they people was talking to him and they was telling him what was going on with their relatives in prison and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we already had an idea of, uh, uh, it was going to be some changes. Because the people that he was talking to were saying if he get in office, you know, he's going to change. He's going to do what he can. And for real, for real, he could have did more than that, you know. But, you know, you know, he wanted to, I guess, I don't know. I, I can't say. But I know, I know he could have did a, a, a blanket communication instead of letting that, them people deal with um, the inmates because a lot of them, they didn't even help. There's a lot of people that still need to be out. Yeah, there's there's people in prison still today for life, with, with life sentences for marijuana, which is, is mind-blowing. Yeah, I know, I know one. I know one. I was in an institution with one. Yeah? Yeah, he out of Ohio. Okay. Uh, it's yeah, it's so. it's mind blowing, and you and you tell people that, and it's, it's how how could anybody? I mean, first of all, nobody nobody should be in prison for life for for selling any, any drug. I mean, that's I mean, just want to make that clear. But I mean, I mean, marijuana is a plant. You throw a seed in the ground, it grows, and you're gonna throw, lock someone in you know in a cage for life just for just for doing that. But anyway, Carl, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you so. Spending 25, 20, sorry, 26 years, nine months in prison, and you're out now. What's been the most difficult part for you to reintegrate back into society? What's, I mean, what's been the toughest thing? Well, well, well the difficultest thing is getting a place to stay on my own, you know. And it should be that's just like it was difficult for me getting my driver's license. I had all the documentation coming out the door, but. You know, since the nine eleven stuff happened, it's like, man, you know, you don't. It's just, it's just our system over here, our judicial system over here, is so messed up, man. And and it's it's crazy because the the individuals that it affect, they don't even come talk to them or or send us through mental counseling. They just okay, you out, get out, you know. And it shouldn't be like that, man. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, and, you did, know, did you have any, uh, did you take any, you know, courses or, or anything like that oh, yeah, while yeah, you were yeah, in prison? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did all that. I got my GED. I took yeah. the drug program. Mm-hmm. I did all that. I mean, I did that for myself, you know. Yeah. I didn't do that because of the the the, uh, the laws. I was, I was doing that before that, you know. I just, you know, had to get myself re-educated for understanding the academic world too. Mm-hmm. So, 
But yeah, you know the the, the justice system, and I and, and you know someday I I would like all the ones that got life be able to go to Washington, and I would like to tell them politicians, man, to get off their butt, man, and start changing stuff because they can do it, man. They can do it, man. I sit there and watch, man. I got watch C-SPAN for life, because in prison I watch news. I stay on the news. Mm-hmm. I watch all the news. So. I see the BS they games like right now they it's games and you got people is is sick in prison they got life and they not getting the medical attention it just it's just crazy man and if a person now because you know they got took all the unicorns out of prison so if the people that's in prison now coming out if they ain't got no family support. I understand why they uh, uh, go back. Because mm-hmm. if you ain't got that support system, you do. You got to have a support system. You got to have, man, I'm just so thankful for the support team that I got because, you know, it wasn't difficult for me. Only thing difficult for me is telling a person how I feel. And then I might not come off right to them. So mm-hmm. they get an attitude, you know. And another thing, you know, like I say, you know, when you when you leave prison, man, when you leave it, man, the guys don't understand, man. This a this a day to day process of just, you know, getting acclimated back in society and, and just, man. I didn't even, man. I'm sitting there uh, today. I, I'm, I'm uh, I. Today was my first day using a, a debit card. And yeah. I didn't know how to use it. I didn't know how to use it. I asked the lady, the lady just looking at me. I said, man, I don't know how to use And I don't want to say I just got prison. Yeah, because you have to. I mean, basically, they. I mean, a debit card thing, you're sticking to the machine yourself. You're punching the number in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. I mean, I would imagine technology would be the, the biggest thing. You know, dealing with a, a cell phone and all that stuff. Um and, and th- things like that. I mean, that's like like you were just talking about. There's no sort of, you know, reacclimation to that. They don't, you know, teach you how to use a cell phone, right? They don't. They don't teach you how to use a debit card or how to how to you know do online banking or or anything like that. Yeah, all the stuff they teaching them, uh, like uh, well, I could say in Oxford, like they tell you you got to have all this identification stuff. Like, man, you need more than that. That stuff they telling us we have in prison, they need more than that. So I don't know what's I don't know what's to you know why they don't give update information and none of that stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a big problem, and unfortunately, it seems like there's there's not a lot of focus on solving that part of the problem. I mean, there is there is focus now on at least getting people out, which is great. Um, right, right, are, right. Who are in, who are in with these uh, you know these long sentences for not for you know, for nonviolent drug offenses? Yeah, but there's not a lot of focus on actually getting people you know, back on their feet with with the skills that they need. Yeah. There, there there are actually uh, people that I've had on my show though that are you know, doing things to help, uh, you know, a guy I've had on who's out in California, Michael Montsevice, you know, he started a program that he's working with the prisons to, uh, to teach, uh, to teach welding 
to, to people who yeah. are in prison so when they come out they're able to you know get a job and, well, and hit the ground well, running but well, I, I was in this program with goodwill where they help ex-offenders uh, get acclimated back in the workforce i did that and i completed that program but she the money just ain't you know i gotta i work two jobs i work two part-time jobs so that's I guess that's uh, the American way. Mm-hmm. Now, have you had <laughs> trouble? Have you had trouble with? Uh, you, you mentioned finding trouble, finding a place to stay. What about finding a job? Have, what, what have? Uh, I mean, I had you, that. I had that at first when I got out. I had that at first when I mm-hmm. got out. But, how did you? Uh, how did you approach that from a, an interview standpoint? You know, is that something well, you would you bring know, up right away, or? No, I do that afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like I say, when you first coming out, you know, it's a different, you know, it's a whole different ball game. you know, just dealing with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so used to dealing with the ones like me coming out here dealing with, you know, just citizens. Mm-hmm. You got to be, you got to just think for them and yourself, too, while you're out here. Because, man, they so disrespectful. What, what do you what do you mean? Could you, could you give an example or expand on that? How? Uh, like just say if you're on the phone talking, mm-hmm. they talking to you and, you, and, and they expect you to look at them and, and, and talk to them, but it don't work like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? There's probably been, you know, since since that time period that you were locked up, I think there's been a big change in just like the expectation around how people interact around phones because everyone's yeah, always yeah, on yeah, a, yeah. everyone's always on a phone you're either texting or they're you know they're on the internet or on facebook or whatever or whatever and yeah, yeah people just yeah. they don't think anything of it they'll just start talking to you when you're on your phone but yeah that's something i, I didn't even think of yeah that's you know i'm getting the hang of it you know mm-hmm. like i say you know yeah i'm getting the hang of everything going to the stores and all that stuff too it's a couple more questions for you so you know you've been out now since since January, right? And uh, no, I've been out since July. I've been I was in the halfway house for six. Okay, months. yeah, so, so, since July. So yeah, not that long ago. Um, if you fast forward, if you look ahead, say five years from now, ten years from now, where where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself doing in uh in five ten years? Oh no, I'm gonna stay on. The, I'm gonna stay on the message. I gotta advocate, man. So I see change. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate, but still, I'm gonna live my life too. You know, mm-hmm. so I go talk to the youth, tell them how long I've been in prison and all that stuff. So, yeah, I always do that. And then, you know, uh, it just it's just a lot, man. It's a lot. It's just uh, it's a lot. Just getting back into society. So, people just gotta be patient, man. It works. Work with each other. That's all. How have you been able to, you know, stay on the path you're on to uh, to not get pulled back in to uh, maybe be surrounded by you know some people that could pull you back into you know different activities? How, how have you stayed on a on a on, you know the path you want to be on? Oh well, you know I'm conditioned, man. You know when I set my mind to something, that's what it is. You know, can't no money or nothing. You know. Uh, change the fact because you know when you have a permanent effect been put on your life it ain't Mm -hmm. going to be that easy for you to go back to something that you know that uh, it's a trap 
So does a lot of that come back to, I mean, you mentioned that you had a, a, a support system that helped you get back into it. I mean, is a lot of, is a lot of that your, the support system that's helped you? Well, it's family members and like people I went to school with, you know, and the ones who were signing the peti- people who signed my petition. Well, that's great. Just uh, just one, one last question, Carl. Um, and this was actually given to me uh, or re- recommended to be asked. And I started asking this a couple episodes ago. Uh, Malik, Malik King, um, who you know, gave me this question. And uh, it goes like this. So, you know, I, I believe that each one of us has a unique gift or a unique ability. Um, some people would say a, a superpower that separates us from everyone else. Um, what would you say is your superpower that helps you to uh, to drive for success in life? Oh, my heart and my mind. That's simple. You know, you, you put your heart into something and you got your mind set on it. It's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Because it's, it's got to be, um, you know, it, it's one thing to, to understand the concept, what you have to do in your head, but to have your heart in it, to be fully invested in it. That's that's what it's all about, man. 100% agree with you. Yeah, you know, man, like I say, man, I don't wish no prison on nobody, man. But, man, prison ain't for human. Well, I can tell you like this. It's a lot of it's a lot of correctional officers and wardens and administrators. They need to start working at the bottom and work their way up, and then they appreciate just being on the job, just being having a job. Mm-hmm. And they won't take they won't take it serious or abuse their authority because you got a lot of them, man. They abuse their authority. You know they talk to you crazy. And you have to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's called doing a camera check. Got to always do a camera check where you check. you not only checking for yourself, but you got to check for the other person, too. Because they ain't thinking. If they going off the hip like that, they ain't thinking. So when you say doing a camera check, you're checking to make sure that you're not on camera and also... If there's not a camera, then no. When I say when I say camera check, I'm meaning like a self evaluation on yourself. Okay. And evaluate the situation. Yeah, you got to know because uh, because they, they're they're trying to instigate you, right? They're trying to get an action out of you. Yeah, but I don't um I don't I don't I don't. I don't feed into that because I'm much more older now. When I came in, I was, I was 24, 25. See, I'm 51 now, so, you know, a lot of stuff that they doing out here now, I did that when I was in my younger days. So mm-hmm. it don't, you know, it, it's, not, it's not no instant gratification. Right. You know, the instant gratification I get now is making sure I can change something or helping somebody else's life be better. Hundred percent, man. Hey, uh, just just one last thing before I let you go. If you could give, you know, one piece of advice, if someone's at, someone out there is listening to this, and you know, maybe they're about to head into prison, or they have a loved one who was in prison, um, what what kind of advice would you uh, would you give to them about how to deal with it? I, I would say, uh, 
they have enough time now to study themselves and add what they want in their life and subtract what they want out their life. And once they start doing that every day, it become a practice. And once the practice become conditioned, then they ready. They got mastered themselves. That is the truth. That makes sense. It's all about creating systems and uh, and putting things on repeat. You do it enough times, it becomes uh, becomes your condition. And see, that's the same way it got to be with the laws. See, we got to get all these old jokers out that's, and get people that's smart, that's smart, and they know the law. See, when you know the law, you ain't got to make no or uh, create no messed up law. You know, you can make a, a law that is just for everybody. Mm-hmm. It ain't just for us. It's for everybody. Right. E- equality under the law, really. That's what we should be striving for. Right. And, you know, uh, I want to tell you, I appreciate you giving me this platform. And uh, hopefully, you know, whenever you need uh, any participants, you can just call on me yourself. You can contact me and I, I, I can give you what you need. Yeah, I absolutely will, Carl. And I appreciate you coming on this show and uh, and sharing your story. You never know who's out there, you know, listening to this, who needs to hear this. You know, maybe they have yeah. somebody, somebody who they know who's close to them, who's in prison, about to go in prison, or or maybe somebody themselves who's just gotten out too and uh, and found this podcast and uh, and your and your words have resonated. Yeah, I got I I, I got I got a few people that probably want to do that i wish i could sit down and talk to you i feel more better you know yeah but uh we we we, we'll come up with some more ideas or something to make the podcast even better because i like that i like that Mm -hmm. because if you don't get the information out there you're just as guilty as the one making the bad law absolutely carl and uh yeah we'll we'll definitely talk um i'm definitely open to you know, having more people who you'd recommend to, to have on the show. I'd love to speak with them too. Yeah. But, uh, I'll, I'll let you go, uh, enjoy your night and, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. You take care. Uh, nice right. to Looking forward to hearing from you again. Thank you guys for listening to that interview with Carl Fort. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. And, you know, I'm not. I don't have a lot to to add today. And you know, I'm, to be perfectly honest with you, I think I've said this before. But going forward, I'm going to try to, and maybe eventually, I will get rid of this uh, little post show rant part and maybe move some of my thoughts, if I have them, for an episode to be right after the intro. Because um, you know what, I I don't need to to summer summarize or add things to what my guests say. Um, if there's questions you guys have about something my guest says, or you want, if you want farther clarification on something, then please reach out to me. We can have him back on later, uh, to, uh, to dive into a, a certain aspect of their, uh, their story, certain aspect of their case to, to talk about it. I'm more than happy to do that. I am going to start to bring some of my previous guests back on to do a deeper dive into certain aspects. So I want to encourage you if, or if there are any guests that I have had on that you definitely want to hear from again, please reach out to me. Let me know who they are. Uh, send me an email. 
felonyfriday at lionsofliberty.com. You can get me on Twitter, at John Odermatt, on Instagram, at John Odermatt. Just uh, give me a follow and a DM, and uh, we'll go. We'll talk from there. You know, in 2020, I really want to engage with the audience, with the Felony Friday audience, with the Lions of Liberty audience um, better. I want to do a better job of doing it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm i always happy to get guest suggestions and things like that. But at the end of the day, the reason I'm doing this show is for you guys. And, I mean, that's that's, not, that's just the truth. I'm not doing this for myself. Um, I enjoy it. I like it. Uh, sometimes it's a pain in the ass, but I do enjoy doing it. But the reason I, every Friday, I make sure I have a show published and I push it out uh, and I research to find the best guests and I try to ask the best questions and and listen and really learn about these stories and try to pull out uh, you know the best and most valuable parts of these stories from my guests. The reasons I do it is for you guys. So, you know, I've been remiss, I think, in the past here, and I'm learning as a podcaster. I need to do a much better job engaging uh, with my audience, talking with you guys, and learning what it is you want from me to make this the absolute uh, best possible uh, version of Felony Friday that it can be. So please, I mentioned my email, felonyfriday at lionsofliberty.com, Twitter and Instagram, at John Odermatt. Um, Give me a follow, shoot me a DM, let me know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about, questions you want me to ask, I don't care. Or just reach out and say, hey, John, you're awesome, I love your show, you're the best. And I'll be like, okay, you're the best. That's that conversation will go just like that, and it'll be awesome. I want want more of those conversations. That's that's really why I'm doing this rant. Guys, I'm looking forward to 2020. It's going to be an awesome year. And, you know, at the top of the show, you know, one thing I didn't mention was the show notes page. Has some information there on uh, on Carl and uh, talking about his uh, his background in his case. Check it out. Uh, you can find that at lionsofliberty.com slash FF209. Of course, you can find all the Felony Friday show notes pages at lionsofliberty.com slash felony friday you can see all my previous guests all that stuff so please guys share this episode uh share this podcast feed tell your friends about lines delivery tell your friends about felony friday and uh, i wish you all a happy and healthy start to 2020 this is john odermatt signing off always remember to keep your head up and the fire is liberty burning <laughs> <laughs>